0: Welcome to the Teaching History, Politics, and Stuff podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Elizabeth Evans. I'm completely passionate about curriculum, history, the social sciences, and all the other things in between. I love helping teachers by giving strategies to make lesson planning easier and resources to be your best self. I'm a National Board-certified social studies teacher with over 18 years of experience. I've met some incredible people in my life, who will have a lot to share, and I cannot wait to have them as guests on my podcast. As James Madison once said, the advancement and diffusion of knowledge is the only guardian of true liberty. Thanks for joining me today. Let's learn. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. So today I wanted to kind of go through um, a solo episode where I talk about what you should focus on in terms of your classroom, when you're short on time. This is something that I always found myself having to deal with in the spring semester. The school I used to teach at had a modified year-round schedule, so there was always a two-week break in March, which was great, but that's a two-week break, and I very much was the teacher that I don't want to give homework over breaks. I feel like everybody should be allowed to have that break, including myself. So I really had to kind of figure out, you know, I'm shorted on time here. Plus, you know, the AP government test is the very first test, which I always was frustrated about because I taught semester long classes. But, um, you know, I'd really work backwards and determine if the test is, you know, May 4th, May 5th, May 6th, whatever it was that year, how can I work backwards to ensure that I cover the things that I want to cover? Um, We, you know, we hit a pandemic last year. And I'm glad that I had made this for myself, because although it was really stressful, it made me let go of a lot of things that I really loved doing in the classroom, but I wasn't in the classroom anymore, and I wanted to be able to get the information through to my kids, but also focusing on my own sanity and the sanity of my students. I didn't want them to feel like because we were short on time, they had to do more things. Last year, too, you know, we had state testing. There was blood drives. There were so many disruptions to my classroom environment that I really just focused on these three things. There is a blog post that goes along with this. I will put it in the show notes. Um, One of the things I did was a sample schedule, and and that's something that I've already done a podcast on. It was something that I took and kind of made my own. Um, I learned it from Dr. Chris Treat and just took that, made it something that worked for me. So that sample schedule, you know, really kind of drove home the point for me. So the first thing to focus on when you're short on time is the disciplinary practices. And those are located in your um, curriculum, or not curriculum, course and exam description book. Um, The disciplinary practices There's five of them for AP government. So concept application, SCOTUS application, data analysis, source analysis, and argumentation. These are all part of your writing. So concept analysis is one of the um, FRQs that you do. SCOTUS application is one. Data analysis, otherwise known as quantitative analysis, is one. And then the argumentative essay, which... I have lots of posts on argumentative essay. It just happened to be one of the things I was really good at teaching because I really understood the intricacies of it because I think the argumentation should be a part of the social studies, you know, even kind of before this all changed. As you're looking at your lesson planning and what you're trying to focus on, really try to focus on the skills and teaching content through the skills Um, if you have to ditch the lecture. There's a lot of things online that if it's that basic gathering of knowledge that kids can do for themselves, or it can be a little thing that you put up on your learning management system. But instead of using that time to lecture, having them watch it or listen to it at a different point, um, it's also worth considering recording yourself lecturing, and then when you come back to class, again, whether this is in person, online, or hybrid, and giving, you know, time for kids, hey, you guys, watch the lecture already. What questions do you have? Because that makes that learning more personal to that class, more personal to those kids. Now, again, lecture has its place, but if you're short on time, you might want to reconsider. You can use primary sources for it, there's so many different things that can happen that are not just you standing and lecturing. You can use podcasts to review content. Students can do them on their own. Um, I have unit guides on my blog, teachingapgovernment.com, and they're all free. You don't have to sign up for anything, um, but they all have podcasts attached to them. Specifically, I took the CED and made these unit guides because it was. I really need to focus on what I need to teach. And then again, breaking down documents to analyze argumentation, analyze source analysis. So not only are you reading a primary source, they're learning content, but they're also learning those skills of argumentation, source analysis, um, any of the other disciplinary practices. Also making sure that whatever you're doing in your classroom hits more than one thing at a time. So. One of the things I mentioned in the blog post is showing um, it's PBS. It is called Supreme Revenge, and it goes through the nominating process. It goes through differences in political parties. It goes through the president's role in checks and balances. It goes through so many different things, and it's a good. It was good for me to use to. I mean, and I talk through my videos. It was a rare thing that I just popped on a video and worked because I used the video kind of as an educational piece. Um, some people put the videos on and then talk after, whatever works best in your classroom. But trying to make sure that what you're doing, especially if you're looking at current events, <clears throat> there's so many current events that hit so many different things at one time that you're already doing it, you might just not realize it. So, the second piece to focus on um, is for me writing and speaking. So, on the blog, it says writing and Socratic. I feel like me personally focusing on writing and focusing on skills that helped propel the content really, really just helped my students. Students can forget content um, in the moment, especially with high stakes testing. You know, you forget those little things. But if you teach them how to write and you teach them how to analyze and do all of this stuff, you know, they really do get it. Focus on that skill of thesis writing. One of my most popular posts that has tens of thousands of views is on argumentative thesis We spent a lot of time on argumentative thesis, because if you read the rubric, if you don't get the argumentative thesis point, it's real hard to get any other points. So it's important to make sure they understand how to do that. And so a lot of times that would just be my warm up for the day. Here is, you know, a prompt. How would we write a thesis together? And you can do it in under 10 minutes because you're writing it together and you're talking about you know, how does this come together? How does this establish a line of reasoning? You know, and then maybe you go a step further once they really get that and say, okay, here are the documents we would use. What kind of evidence from the documents would you use? And really talking them through those writing assignments. I very, at the beginning of my career, gave a lot of full-length tests and decided they were a waste of time because, and the analogy that I always gave to my students is, I'm training you to run a marathon. And that marathon is not necessarily the AP test. At the end of the day, it's being an active and engaged and informed citizen. So I don't expect you to know how to do it all right now. Using small bits of assessment, small pieces of writing, because you're teaching them how to do it, not just making the assumption that they know how. I stopped doing it, especially full writing assignments. And I have different ways that I've done my writing assignments because I got to the point where, you know, I'm teaching six classes. Four of them are AP government and politics. Um, One is a U.S. history and one is an AP U.S. history. And that year I was like, I can't keep assigning all these writing prompts and taking them home to grade them. I I have to stop doing that to myself. I have to stop doing it to my kids because I also noticed that I would you know, grade them and give them back, and I would spend all this time in feedback, and they would just put it in their backpack. So for me, it was, let's write together. Let's look at different types of writing together. Let's do all right round robins, which is a Kagan strategy. Let's do all of these different things so that you learn the process of it. Because again, like running, you don't just go, if you're training for a marathon, you don't just go run, run 26 miles every day you're doing all of these different runs and all of these different workouts to get you to that point. And that's how I kind of tackled this and and explained it to them. And, you know, really did explain to like, Hey, we're going to write an argumentative thesis paper today, but you're going to do it in groups of four and you're going to talk through the rubric. And then you're going to trade, you know, after you're done with this, you're going to trade them and you're going to have a conference with the other group Because we all want each other to exceed because we want or succeed, not exceed, maybe exceed too. We all want to succeed. So let's get each other there. Because you can't just do it by yourself. I can't just do it for you. So changing the way those kinds of things happen. And for me, it was hard because that's the way I learned social studies. I learned it by, you know, in my secondary education, I learned it that it was worksheets, it was lectures, it was reading, it was tests. And then every once in a while on a Friday, we'd watch a movie. But the more I understood my students, the more I understood that that's just not the way it needs to happen. Um, And I changed. And that for me, opened so many doors. And to be honest, it made me love teaching again. Because after that year of Teaching six classes, which is one more um, than normal. I was on a six fifth schedule. I didn't have a break. I was a department chair. You know, there's so many different things going on. I'm teaching AP US history, I'm teaching AP government. And it finally was what is going to be, because this is not sustainable for me. I am burning out. What is going to be better? And it really was using small bits as assessments and explaining to students what we were doing and getting them curious, too. So the last piece here when you're short on time is focusing on your students and you, you know, knowing your content. And in another podcast, we'll talk about one of my favorite things to say to teachers, to my mentees, just in general, is that you're the expert in your classroom. And I did write a post about that. But the more you know about your content the better you can be at adjusting it to your the student sitting in front of you now we all know that classes are different you know you could have like i e- every year it was usually first second and third hour sometimes fourth was my ap government and politics classes And it was like, how I teach first hour is different than how how I teach third hour. The objective is the same, but the kids are different. So the more you understand that and the more you know, it's easier to kind of think more on your feet and adjust to your students. And it doesn't become this, oh my gosh, I have to lesson plan forever. I have to do all of these things forever. Another thing is sometimes you just have to let them explore the content. I remember, and there is a picture of it on the blog. One year I was like, if I have to teach the legislative process one more time, I, I just I'm not doing it justice because I'm so sick of talking about it and they don't get it. And so I just was like, you guys are going to draw it however you want to draw it. Um, I think the one that's up there is through frozen yogurt. They just created this whole thing and talked about it. And it was it was fun for them because they got to go through what the legislative process was but they got to do it in a fun way. And we hung these up on the wall. And that way, when we were talking about the law, it's like, hey, there's all of these examples. You know, what would be next? What has to happen? Again, the lesson was just born out of necessity, because I don't want to ever be in front of students talking about something and be like, oh, I hate teaching this, because then they pick up on that vibe and they don't want to learn it either. So Honest to goodness, I just told them, recreate the legislative process in a fun way. You only get the front of one page. And just let them go with it. And they had fun. And it's especially important not only to recognize when you're burnt out, but to recognize when they're burnt out. And you can see it in your students. And I'm sure that you can see it even more this year is that burnout and understanding that in order to get kids to learn, we have to meet them where they're at and man, that changes every day. And that in itself is hard. You also have to meet yourself where you're at. Um, You can't do it all. We can't do everything. We have to take care of ourselves, and we have to take care of our students. And then we need to care about the skills and the content. Because I noticed that, you know, at the end of every year, I'd always ask my students to fill out a survey, because I do want to be a better teacher. I want to make sure and the overwhelming response. I mean, they definitely had suggestions on things I could change. I got rid of a lot of things because I was like, gosh, I didn't know that you didn't even like that or it wasn't even good. But one of the things, how I knew, even though I wasn't perfect and I messed up or I forgot to teach something, that my kids felt like I cared about them. And they felt that when they came in my classroom, we weren't wasting time. There was a reason we were doing the things we were doing, but there was also times for them to say, Hey, you know, we have a blood drive coming up. And I had a lot of kids that would participate in that for national honor society, or we have this coming up, or we'd really like to do a Socratic seminar on this, or we want to talk more about this. And it just, kids are smart. And if you give them the opportunity, they'll tell you how they need to learn. They'll tell you what they want to learn. And if we can just give ourselves the okay to say, I'm just going to give up a little bit of that control, um, which is hard. I am very much a type A person. I am a firstborn child. I am all of that stuff wrapped in a package. But the year that I learned to let go again, I started loving my job more and I stopped feeling like every single lesson had to be perfectly planned because it was, hey, you know, today we're going to talk about Brutus 1 and compare it to Federalist 10. Here's kind of the crux of it. Do you guys want to write about it? Do you want to do a Socratic seminar about it? What is going to be the best way for you? And they appreciate that buy-in because then they understand, like, well, here's what we chose. Or I would ask them, hey, here is, you know, all of these things we can do or or a menu item. Again, that's why I made my unit guides and I actually gave my unit guides to the kids and said, here are, so if you miss a day, if you miss the day on budget appropriations, Um, Or if you missed the day on the Senate filibuster, here's little pieces of learning for you. So instead of being like, I need to copy down all the notes from my friend, because all they end up doing is copying them, not really reading them. They can say, oh, I can listen to this quick five minute podcast on it. And then I can go ask my teacher if I have further questions or I can ask my teacher. And again, this was the post that is the three things you can do after the EP test one of the projects just arose because kids were like, we want to know more about certain civil rights movements. I didn't expect myself to know everything. And so I knew enough to get them started. And then was like, I want to hear what you guys learn. Like, let's let's research, let's utilize the skills that we've already learned and pour it into something you're actually interested in. That to me... Again, was a light bulb. It won't happen perfectly every year. Obviously, we know we create sometimes these amazing lesson plans, and they work so good one year, and then the next year they fall flat. But that's just part of being a reflective teacher and understanding that sometimes that's going to happen. And you know, that's when you say to the kids, "Well, that didn't work. What's next?" Um, I hope that this podcast in itself helps you understand that you don't have to do everything and you have to take care of yourself. And if you, you know, like me, every year kids will come back and be like, Hey, you never taught us this. Um, Even if I had taught it to them, maybe they just forgot. It's letting go and understanding that we can't do everything. Our kids can't do everything. And at the end of the day, yes, we care about the AP test because for some students, that's why they sign up. They want that AP credit and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, we are trying to create engaged, educated, and informed citizens that will go out and vote or go out and hold public office. So I hope you enjoyed this. Again, I will link the blog post in the show notes. And if there's anything that you're like, hey, Liz, what about this? Or I really found that I, if I focus on this, it works. I'd love to hear it. I'd love if you commented on the blog post or even sent me an email, Liz at teachingAPgovernment.com. Make sure you take care of yourself and your students. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Please comment, like, and share. Want to connect with me? Find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at LizEvansNBCT and online at teachingAPgovernment.com. I'm so glad you joined us today. We'll see you next time.